Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where there is no offseason, and we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 26th day of September 2017 from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Hey, this is going to be a big day for your pal Sully because I, I, I'm, I'm making a correction. I'm making a correction today because we've got to the 26th day of September in the year of our Lord, 2017. And I have yet to actually physically go to a game. I write about baseball every day. I'm going to have 365 blog posts this year. Um, Even though I don't do the daily podcast, I'm probably going to have between 200, 250 original podcasts a year, which is pretty good for on any metric. Uh, you know, whether it's Fangraph podcast, whether it's Baseball Reference podcast, however you measure your podcast, that's a good reference there. And I've yet to go to a game just because of life, just because of family and other crap. But today, along with my former colleague on when we used to be writers for Dennis Miller, and we we watched game uh, four of the 2013 World Series together, biggest Philadelphia Phillies fan I know, Michael X. Ferraro. Two of us are going to a Dodger game tonight. We're going to see the Dodgers play the San Diego Padres in a meaningless game. But we are going to have fun doing it. But hey, enough about the Dodgers. You're listening for one reason one reason only, and that is to see if I'm going to avoid talking about the Red Sox for another day and talk about another postseason team, yep. and you're damn right I am. In fact, I have a guest on. Yesterday we had Richard Perez to talk a little bit about the Houston Astros. So our guest today is a writer for District on Deck and Washington Nationals fan and mm-hmm. long-suffering Washington Nationals fan, Mr. Ron Juckett. How are you doing, Ron? Pretty good, Sully. How are you? Uh, the baseball playoffs are coming around the corner, so I'm in I'm in great shape. Uh, I brought up several times, especially when I did the suffering index, that you could make the argument that Washington baseball fans have had the most suffering of any current fan base. I mean, the Indians have had a longer drought, but the last time the Nationals or the last time a Washington baseball team has won a major league. The only time a Washington baseball team has ever won a major league postseason series was the 1924 Nationals, or Senators, I'm sorry, with Walter Johnson. And, you know, if you want to go back to the Homestead Grays in 1948, but that was also the last year the Indians won. So, I mean, the city of Washington is has had their share of heartbreak and heartache, and certainly this Nationals squad is no exception. Tell me the mood of Nationals fans for this 2017 team. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. There is so much anxiety. You know, you and I grew up in New England. We know what that's about, and that's what yeah. what this team, what this fan base is going through. This franchise, going dating back to its days in Montreal, has is now the only one never to play in a World Series. Ah, uh, uh, the Mariners. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mariners. Thanks for the correction. That's why I'm here. I'm here. I'm the Your Honor, Your Honor objection. <laughs> objection. So that's the only National League team not to play in a World Series. There you go. Okay. Um and in fact I read this the other day because they play a Super Bowl in a neutral site, 
the last team to actually win a championship actually within the District of Columbia was the 1942 Washington Redskins. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, yes, there's, you know, after the way that last year ended, um, there are some serious expectations from fans and some serious angst. I mean, with all the injuries they went through, my goodness, at one point they had 13 players on the disabled list. And so while making the playoffs back-to-back is never a bad thing, I mean, you, could, you never can say, look, we won the division, we had a terrible year. You should never say that. Uh, the expectation is fully to get past, presumably, the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. I mean, this is a franchise that has... This specific franchise has won one playoff series, and that was in the division series of 1981, where they played that playoff because of the split season when the Expos beat Philadelphia. You know, I mean, I've said that a team cannot change its narrative and cannot change its identity, and... As a Red Sox fan, I got sick of hearing 1918, but that was hanging over the franchise until it until it was turned around. Cub fans, White Sox fans, you know, they, it took a championship to turn that around. And if there's something, uh, a negative narrative about a team, it has to be turned around by the team itself. There's no, there's no way, whether or not a fan base likes it or not, it still sticks there. And, and for the city of Washington, what I'm getting at, is in 2012, the Nationals had the best team in the history of at least their time in Washington. They won 98 games. And, of course, they didn't pitch Strasburg. They held back Strasburg. The the starting pitching was atrocious. The bullpen fell apart in that final game. And you could – it still hangs over the franchise. Of course. Would it have been different had Strasburg instead of – you know, Edwin Jackson or whomever pitched w- one of those games, would they have not have had a, a worn-out bullpen blowing it to the Cardinals? Would it have been different? That may not be fair, but that's still there. And until the Nationals win a pennant and get to the World Series, they're still going to look at, man, why didn't they pitch Strasburg down the stretch there? And Nat fans may not like that, but that's the case and the only way to erase that is to get to the world series you know we we do a lot we do a lot of live tweeting during games and so when the nats were first in cincinnati to to face the reds drew storm was there right and so when his name pops up you have you know half the fan base is forgiving and the other half has bartman and buckner pitchforks right for what happened and of course and of course bartman and buckner were it was really unfair how they Absolutely. became synonymous, but it doesn't matter. You start, you, the only way to erase that is to win. <laughs> you know, I I think that a lot of the uh, some of the angst would be gone if they just merely advanced into the National League Championship Series. Yeah. Now, if there's another Blue Monday type moment in the National League Championship Series, you know, I think all that angst comes back. If you're a Nats fan looking for the future. With a healthy Adam Eaton back next year, you know I, I think next year they have a better chance. But they've had a tremendous year this year, and they're getting, as we're taping this, Bryce Harper is actually going to play tonight, uh, right? Which which is a good thing. Uh, but you're absolutely right, Sully. It's just they have to move over the, the some some franchise in this city has to break the hump to move right. on. I you know one of the I started my first night with working for the 
for district on deck was last year, the night that Strasburg went down for the season. Huh. And all the huh. gnashing of teeth when when that happened. And then Wilson Ramos tearing his ACL after a rain delay. It just, huh. you know, just figuratively, when it rains, it pours. And that's the way that they've gone through. But, um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, th- this team needs to show some progress in the postseason. Perhaps not sending an ancient runner past third in game five in the sixth inning would, would help with that. You know, one of the things, if you're if you're not following the Nats in the recent uh, travails, you take a look at the three times they've been in the postseason. Of course, 2012, they had they were one strike away from getting to the league championship series, and they had a meltdown for the ages right. uh, against St. Louis. In 2014, they had a lead with two outs in Game Two. Sandoval ties the game, and it goes to the 18th inning That's right. before they lose it. People forget uh, Madison Bumgarner lost one game in that epic 2014 postseason, and it was to Washington. And and Matt Williams managed the team as if he took a bribe to blow it. I mean, he, he could not have managed that final game worse. And then last year, you had the team had a lead relatively late in Game 5, they had the tying and winning runs on base. They had, the Dodgers had to bring Clayton Kershaw in from the bullpen. On and, one rest, mind you. Oh, yeah. One day's rest. I think it was, yeah, it was one day's rest. I was going to say no day's rest, but right, it was one day's rest. And Clayton Kershaw's lone postseason highlight was celebrating in Washington. The interesting thing was talking about shutting down Strasburg because you have multiple divisions to win in the future. He was right in a way. I mean, he could, you know, Strasburg is now a healthy and good contributor to this team that's now won multiple division titles. And the only reason that's still hanging over is Storen gets that last out. They score a run in the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, or 17th inning, or they get a base hit off of Kershaw. It's like, oh, that was the right move to make. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And you know, the unfortunate thing was that poor Wilmer Defoe, who I think had a handful of oh. bats all years, get, gets yes, it's it's Kershaw one day rest, but the first net, the first part of that sentence is still Kershaw, and he right. struck out, and it was just such a horrible. It just left such a bad taste in people's mouth. And when you, we talked about this a bit earlier, when you add to the, how the other sports don't play very well in the playoffs. Yeah, you had the Wizards crash out early. You had the right. Caps blow a 3-1 lead in the Stanley Cup playoffs again. I mean, this city really does think it's cursed. Do you know what this reminds me of a little bit? Uh, if you go just a little bit to the north, before the Philadelphia Phillies won in 2008, they had not had a Philadelphia team win one of the four major championships since... It was 83 yeah, it was Dr. with Shane. the 76ers, right. right, which also, I mean, which was also uh, Balboa Lang was that year. Uh, no, that was the year before. So I guess the last Philadelphia championship was Balboa Drago, <laughs> which was 85. Yeah, but that was scripted. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're too, too, exactly. So, I mean, that, that's what you're clinging to. Um, and so when Philadelphia finally won in 08 and they beat Tampa there was this great sense of relief amongst I mean I know I 
I'm related to a lot of Philly fans, and you know, bunch. Of, I have a bunch of cousins who grew up uh, in Delaware who are big Philadelphia Phillies fans, and there's a tremendous relief, and it also kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off of the other teams. It's like the Cavs winning took the pressure off of the Cavaliers. Right. The Phillies took the pressure off of the Eagles, Flyers, and 76ers. Not, I mean, they're not totally off the hook, but at least that sense of, are we ever going to see a championship? And Washington's been since, was it the 92 Super Bowl is what it is? Yeah. yeah. And take, winning a title in Washington will be, I mean, I have what I call the rule of seven which is you don't really start following a team until you're around seven years old. That's when you you formulate your first memories. Mm -hmm. And so when you consider if you were in 1992, so that basically means you if you were born after 1985 in Washington, you don't really have a memory of one of your teams winning no, a championship. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, and that's 32. That means anyone 32 years old or younger in Washington are like, nah, I've never really had one of my teams win. And you know, at least, Sully, when we were growing up with we the Celtics. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. You know, so, you know, as, as bad as it might have been for the Red Sox, you know, at least there was Larry Bird. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, I, I don't know how close these four teams are to each other. As far, as far as how they get along, I mean, it helps that the Caps and the Wizards are owned by the same people. Right. Um, you know, it's, this has always been a Reds, Redskins town. And, you know, for years the Nats were, as you, as you, as you said so well, uh, you don't, this is really the first generation of kids being born in the Nats fandom. You know they don't right. want, they don't want to hear about the days in Montreal and they don't want to hear about Gary Carter and they don't want to hear about Tim Raines, um, and all that, and you know now there's some expectations here, because right. they because they are so good, and because they have this big bright superstar in Bryce Harper who, lest we forget, is only 24 years old. Right. Um, it, it, and it, you know it just they I think they just want to see some progress. Can you really can you really blame Wilmer Defoe for striking out against Clayton Kershaw last year in Game Five? You really can't. No. Um, no. But I'll tell you something about this Nationals team that I think. Um, first of all, they made the great trade where they got friend and one and actually two time guest of the podcast, Mr. Sean Doolittle. He's wonderful, isn't he? Yeah, and I mean he's a really good guy, and he also happens to be, I think, a candidate for comeback player of the year. Quite frankly. And what he has done, but along with the other moves they've made to shore up their bullpen, the fact that you have Scherzer, you probably will start Strasburg game two, which means that Gio Gonzalez, who you could make a compelling case to win the Cy Young Award. You'd make a compelling would be case the, the front three to win the Cy Young Award, absolutely. Right. Now, but I'm saying if your number three starter has a valid argument to win the Cy Young Award, I mean, that's, that's a tremendous... That is a tremendous starting staff they're throwing. And the thing that makes Washington very interesting for me, uh, they're the National League team I'm rooting for, mainly because of of Doolittle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have pointed, I had uh, Sean's fiance Aaron, has, Aaron Dolan, has been on a guest on the show many times. And, and I pointed out that no Washington pitcher 
has ever been on the mound to clinch a major league postseason series. That's never happened. The only time they ever won was a walk-off hit in the bottom of the 11th or 12th in Game 7 of the 24 World Series. So no pitcher has ever jumped up on the mound to clinch a postseason series in the Major League Baseball for a Washington team. So if Sean winds up doing it, uh, he'll be alone in all of history. But the thing that I find, that's just a parenthetical for me, Mm -hmm. the worst month that the Nationals had was June when they went 14 and 14. Right. Every every other month, 17 and 8, 16 and 11, 16 and 8, 18 and 11. This month, so as we're recording this, they're 14 and 9. They've been very consistent all year long. They, their longest winning streak has been 7. Their longest losing streak has been 4. Yeah. So there's never been a point where it's like, oh, they went on like Cleveland going on their 22-game winning streak or going on like a huge losing streak like what happened with Los Angeles recently. They've just been consistent, game in and game out, competitive, and they haven't had the huge slump. And I think that when I look at this team, you know, they're 52 and 36 the first half, 43 and 25 the second half. They've been a model of consistency, even though they have had some injuries. I mean, obviously you lose Harper, that's no small shakes. But I think, you know, before anyone automatically pencils in the L.A. Dodgers, whose bullpen is, you know, kind of a mess right now. Yes. Uh, the cu- the Cubs are, you know, they're not the team they were last year. Arizona is a very streaky team. Obviously, when they get hot, they'd be, they're terrifying, but they could also slump. And then God knows what you're going to get from whether it's Colorado, St. Louis, or Milwaukee if they go through. I look at this Washington team. And I, I hate to be optimistic because that's not how I'm wired as a native New Englander. But this is the most consistent and reliable, especially if Harper is even 80%, team that is going to be in the National League postseason. Well, without them, uh, last week I saw a tweet that they still had the second best record in the National League. Right. Have to, with, without Bryce Harper. They're, right. they're nowhere near as if the offense is nowhere near as effective. But now that he's back, I mean, I've watched a lot of baseball over the years. Clearly, this is a championship-caliber team. Right. Uh, Right from, you may hate Dusty Baker, you may love Dusty Baker. I love him. I love him. I love Dusty. He can can make you laugh and infuriate you in about 30 seconds. But this team does not do what they did without him. And, in fact, I, I made the argument on our own show last week or the week before that the most valuable free agent isn't a player or Brandon Kensler. It's Dusty Baker. They've got to bring him back, at least for one more year. Um, that, that, that they keep such an even keel. And they, you mentioned that they haven't gone on a big losing streak. You, they also really haven't gone on a big winning streak. They'll just they'll right. win two, they'll lose one. They'll, I mean, we're looking at, I don't know if Tanner Roark can do that because it only has one more start, but you're looking at a possibility of the top four starters with 15 wins. I know wins are passe as a stat, but that's remarkable. Yeah, that's, well, that's when, that's like when Bobby Cox would have his number four starter coming out of the bullpen. It would be like a 20 game winner, like, Millwood or Denny Nagel. Right. Uh, I look at their lineup right now. 
And Rendon has had a wonderful year. Murphy's had a wonderful year. Zimmerman's had a terrific year. That's your uh, the, uh, yeah. This is yeah. I mean, I thought Zimmerman was done, and he's had his best year of his statistically the best year of his career. And you with Albers and Doolittle and um, you know Ryan Madsen. I think that you've seen that the a lot of the people's spots in the bullpen are solidified at this point. And I think that, you know, in Kinsler is still, you know, he's, he could do the job. I, I mean, look it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to curse anyone here, but you put Scherzer up against anybody at this point. I mean, I would put Scherzer in, and again, maybe not over 162 games, but in a short series, Scherzer will match up over Kershaw. Scherzer matches up against Granke. The way the Cubs pitchers have been pitching recently, Scherzer against anyone on the Cubs. So right off the bat, if he's going to pitch your one and five or one and seven in a best of seven series, that's a that's a wonderful matchup. And I, I'm just I'm look at I'm I'm rooting for I'm not, I'm unabashedly rooting for Washington because I want Sean Doolittle to to get a championship. I think he deserves it. And you take about you look at how he's been handling. He struck out thirty batters in twenty nine innings with Washington. He's made twenty nine appearances. He's gotten the save in twenty one of them, mm-hmm. and he's only walked unintentionally seven batters. And his ERA is one point eight six over his his twenty nine innings with uh, Washington in the two and a half months he's been in Washington. That's that's locking it down. Mm-hmm. And so, are you optimistic? Or are you going to be like me right up until the final out of the Yankees series in 2004 and be like, oh, they'll still find a way to blow it. They'll still find a way to blow it. Well, uh, yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah. When, the, when after the Damon home run thing, oh, how are we blowing this one? Um, I can't get <laughs> too down on them because the fan base is too down on them. And so you kind of have to try to keep it at least a little bit optimistic. But, oh, no. I mean, our, last year in Game 5, I was on pins and needles throughout the whole mm-hmm. thing. You know, I was like, how's he going to do this and, and all that? And you really want them to win and, and such. And, oh, yeah, you know, I, I think everyone who's asso- who associates themselves with the team, even on the, on the outside like we do, wants this team to win because yeah. you know how good they are. And this group is truly – special as far as i'm concerned um this they're just so professional sully right from right from everyone on down and i'm not going to say they're destined to win it all this year but really you just i i i yeah if if we get right down to a game five in dc again my stomach will be a knot so let me ask you a a philosophical question here because I'll tell you this because I've experienced this as a as a Red Sox fan that once once the team wins, suddenly everything becomes prologue. Like I can watch the Aaron Boone home run and go like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that happened. Yeah, there's there's no there's no hardship. There's no my my stomach doesn't get tied into knots. Right. It's like no, that made 2004 better. Right. Or like when I watched the the collapse that happened in 2011. 
No, that doesn't bother me at all because they won the World Series two years later. So it's like there's it like it becomes all is prologue, and so you have three brutal, brutal postseason losses in 2012, 2014, and 2016. That doesn't even count the face plant on the final two months of 2015, where the Mets. I mean, the Mets had should not have won the division that year. No. But anyway, that's yeah. but. Which of those three years, like when, when you sit up, you know, in a in a sweat, in the middle of the night, <laughs> you know, when I used to sit up, go, you know, take Chirac out, you know, yeah. when, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, pinch it, um, <laughs> wake up, McNamara, uh, yeah. you know, I used to, it was eighty six was good. the the Boone home run didn't last long enough to to gestate. Yeah, I, you I, know, finally, I finally forgave the Mets in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as a Nats fan, right? Which one of the three losses is the one that's the the biggest sort oh, I, of I, I, dagger without, in the heart? Without question, it's 12. It's 20. Okay. Um, that's the one. I'm, like I said, I've only been with the team working working with you know f- with the team for about a year. But right. we talk on Twitter about these things. It's uh, it's 2012. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Giants lost hurt. And, of course, yeah. no one was really happy with how last season hurt. But I don't think there was any lingering doubts of, you know, Bob Henley is still a third-base coach. And when the runner gets thrown out, no one ever talks about um, – him you know there's there's a bit of anxiety with Jason Worth to be honest I think some of that goes back to him being thrown out in game five last year but clearly the you know we talked about a little earlier the Bartman and the and the and the Buckner for this franchise is Drew Storen and it goes right back to game five of of 2012. Yeah I remember being that was one of the most stunning games because I was rooting hard for the Nats I had no love for the Cardinals and I I was like, hey, here's a and, – and I knew they were going to get a ton of crap if they didn't win by benching Strasburg. And I was like, you know what? I like this franchise. I'd like to see them do well. And I had no love for the Cardinal team. So I was like, screw it. Let's have this team advance. Now, I was – full disclosure, I was rooting for San Francisco. They're my favorite National League team. So if it turned into Washington, San Francisco, I would have rooted for – San Francisco, but right. it was, but you know when it was, you know, there was two outs and Beltron on second or third, and oh yeah, Beltron. I got I've got the the box score. Beltron was on third, two outs, um, you know, Molina walk on a three and two count, Freeze walk on a three and two count. I mean, in both of those, both of those at bats. Is you know if he gets that third strike, you know I, I I actually think Washington would have beaten San Francisco, but what do I know? But and also, the fact of the ma- also and the St. Louis team that was this you know pretty much the same team that was down their last strike twice at home in Game Six of the World Series the year before. Yeah, and I guess I was I wanted to see the Rangers win the World Series, and I never liked Larusa. No, so I was like you no. know oh god, and so. I was just sitting there, and and in, and I remember after that game ended, I wrote out. I s- said that somewhere, Davy Johnson said, "Oh, so that's what Game Six felt like for Boston." 
that's you know you probably could have a whole group of people from New York who could sit there and 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 rag on Davy Johnson. How that team only won one World Series uh, beyond me, but I know. And it, it took uh, John McNamara sound asleep in the dugout to pull that off. Here's something. To, here's something to think about. <laughs> Let's just say because I actually. I was on uh, ba- the Baseball PhD podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and they asked me for my World Series pick. And I said uh, Cleveland, Washington was my pick. That's now, a solid pick. Now, if let's just say Washington wins the World Series. All right, I know I should be biting my tongue, but let's say Washington wins the World Series. Now, first of all, Rizzo will never have to be asked questions about Strasburg. Right. Uh Harper never has to ask, where's my ring, bro? Uh, Scherzer. They win the World Series, Harper stays. Probably. Yeah. Scherzer, I mean, I think he's putting together a Hall of Fame resume as it is. Especially when when you look at his last. Sorry. He's having, you know, one of those 84 or 85 good and not quite 2000 Pedro, but Clayton Kershaw-esque type seasons. But he's been one of the elite pitchers in the game for the last six years. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. And this is his tour de force year. Right. And and I didn't think he was going. I didn't think it was going to get better than last year. Uh, and and he's he's unbelievable again this year. Yeah. But here's I've been saying this from the beginning, and I actually said this when he was managing the Reds. If they win the World Series, if Washington wins this year, then Dusty Baker's in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, there are so many monkeys on his back. Some of the things, especially with his time with, with the Cubs and how he handled pitchers, and it, it, it has reared its head there. Anytime that any of the starters go 110, 115 pitches, um, you know, the fans aren't very happy about it. But if you look at what Dusty had in the first half of the season, the bullpen, well, what are you going to do? You know? Um, the- this is his 10th 90-win season as a manager, and that does not include the 2003 Cubs who got to the National League Championship Series. Right. I think so. it's probably his best team probably since, if you want to look at the 93 Giants who right. fell victim to the no-wild card that year. And which- why, is it, why was Atlanta in the West? What the hell? Atlanta's <laughs> an East Coast team. It never made sense to me. What the fuck was Atlanta in the West? <laughs> Sorry. I, you Sorry. know, you'll have to ask uh, uh, whoever was the commissioner before Bowie Coon because that, those divisions were set in 69. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, <laughs> and, and probably the, the 2002 Giants team, which no one wants yeah. to talk about. Uh, you know, those, those I think were his best teams. And the the 2002 team probably should have won the World Series, and if there was a wild card round, the the Giants and Braves would have been a hell of an NLCS, wouldn't it? Would have been one of the best ever. Yeah, absolutely, one of the best ever. All right, man. Well, look at. Um, I want to get your. I want to get your fearless thoughts. And as a Nationals fan, yes. Okay, I've told you my my prediction. I think they're going to go to the World Series. I don't. I'm not picking them to win. I do think Cleveland, it's all coming together, and they have a chip on their shoulder. I picked Cleveland at the beginning of the year. I've not backed down from that pick, and holy cow, I just think they're a complete team right now. But I do think it's going to be Cleveland versus Washington. That is my 
official pick as of right now. Uh, tell me your prediction, and also tell me what you would be okay with. Like, if the the end of, the playoffs are over, obviously you want to see the Nationals winning the World Championship. Short of that, what would you be okay with? Well, I'll answer that one first. Uh, I think if they make the National League Championship Series, it's progress. I think they just won. Look, unless there is some god-awful moment in the NLCS. Uh, Francisco Cabrera moment. Or, or, yeah, I mean, if you want to go back in franchise history, Blue Monday. Uh, oh. uh, you know, I think for most fans, that would be progress. We got over the hump. They will have taken out the defending world champions. Uh, and it will be, and you have Adam Eaton back, hopefully healthy all next year. You have a lot to build on for next year. Um, realistically, I kind of like their chances if it's the Dodgers at this point, which I wouldn't have said a month ago, uh, because the Dodgers bullpen is garbage, or at least what we saw. Uh, I do like uh, that Stripling put Chicken Strip on the back of his jersey, by the way, for Players Weekend. That was that was quite clever. Um, I'm with you. I, I think it's Cleveland and Washington, and I've spent too much time paying attention to Terry Francona to know that he's one of the best postseason managers of all time. Uh, and that might be the difference right there. As good as Dusty Baker is in getting having his team ready, it is, you know, Francona's a Hall of Famer as far as I'm concerned, and that third World Series title will do that. Um, so my heart, my head says Cleveland over Washington. You know, my heart says, I know this team is capable of winning a short series. Oh, yeah. And so, I, you know, it... As much as I would love to see the Nats win the World Series, I, you know, I don't. If they make it, I think most demons would be exercised from the city. There's always the hardcore trolls who go, "Yeah, but this didn't happen." Well, you know, you got there. And so, yeah, I, I would say Cleveland over Washington at this point. But who knows if someone takes them to the limit in one of the preliminary rounds, they may get tired. Yeah. So well, look at I think I I really think the thing that's going for Washington has been their consistency and the fact that no matter who they send up there as a starting pitcher uh it's the Nats are going to have a quality quality arm no yes. matter what. I mean Tanner Roark is their number 4 starter. I think he'd be the number 2 starter on the Cubs right now. And he's had a much better second half, Sully. Don't forget, since this is his first, you know, he pitched in the playoffs last year and was nervous. And so he's been there and done that. I think he's going to be a lot better this year for Washington in that first round than he was last year. And that's just going to make all the difference. If you don't need to use Max Scherzer until potentially a game one of the National League Championship Series after he pitches game one against the Cubs, oh, my goodness, you know, Confidence-wise, it's going to just go through the roof. This team does remind me of that Phillies team in 08. Yeah. Where they were coming off a division title, but a lot of attention was being put on the Cubs that year because they had the best record in the National League. A lot of attention on the Red Sox, on Tampa. And Philadelphia just had a good, solid, consistent team. And they wound up beating Milwaukee. They wound up... The Dodgers took care of the Cubs, and the Phillies were much better than the Dodgers. So they took they made quick work of L.A., and then they just matched up very well against Tampa. 
and so uh, they wound up being the champs in that rain that rain extended game five but this Washington team does remind me of that that they are the the sum of their parts are great uh, they have they're solid all around and I think this team actually has much better pitching than that than that team but that they also had Hamels who was on a roll and they had Brad Lidge who was just lights out that one year mm-hmm Mm-hmm. No, I, I think I don't think Mike Rizzo, until they actually win a trophy, is ever going to get the credit for what he's done. To I mean, he took something that was was it a championship liability and made it an asset with, with with those trades, and he gave up practically nobody for them. With apologies to Blake Trinan's family, right? You know, he, I mean, the the Doolittle Matson trade was just. And then he goes out and picks up Howie Kendrick, and then Kinsler at the deadline, and didn't give up any major prospects for the deal. They still had Eric Fetty, and I don't know if you've had the chance to see highlights of what Victor Robles did over the weekend in New York, but man, he's going to be a superstar. Well, look at you know I have the uh, you know I'm going to be rooting for them. Yep. You know, I'd love to see that franchise do well, and I would love to see Doolittle be the pitcher on the mound, jumping up and down and being mobbed as Scherzer and Strasburg and Harper and Dusty Baker all can say, hey, I have the world championship part of my resume for the Hall of Fame down. Now let's just pad my numbers and call it a career. Uh, and it would be the most beloved Washington team in Generations. Oh, absolutely. And I want to say this about Sean Doolittle and his fiance. Uh, they have endeared themselves to the community like you would not believe. They are both going to be absolutely beloved here or down there. Uh, it just, you know, as, as much as the players get along with the fans, what Doolittle and Aaron have done in short order is just absolutely amazing. And mm-hmm. so you're absolutely right. If this is the team that breaks the quote-unquote, I hate to say the word curse because I don't believe in them. Yeah, uh, but I get it. I get it. But I, no, I understand it too. Uh, you know, they're never going to have to buy a beer or a steak in that town ever again. I'll let them know. Well, I think they make them make sure they know they don't have to buy another, uh, like, Mexican meal or tickets to a Star Wars movie. And then I think, <laughs> no, you're fine. But you, but you know how much that Joe Gibbs is still beloved down there, despite the fact he's been in NASCAR for twenty some odd years. That's gonna and, and how much that everyone on the 04 Red Sox and last year's Cubs and the 05 White yeah. Sox. I mean, that will be the case in DC if the Nats win. You know, yeah, it could be Chris Heisey who was gone three months ago, but he's still gonna get a playoff share and he still would probably get a, a World Series ring. And it's, yeah. it's the same thing. I mean, they've had 49 different players on the active roster this year. And every one of them, regardless of whether the, even, yeah, every, every, even Jeremy Guthrie, who threw up that stinker against the Phillies the first weekend of the season, all is forgiven if they, if they won it all. That's how it works. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, uh, tell me what you want to plug. Let's see. The website itself is districtondeck.com. Uh, we do pod, We do actually video vlogcasts after every game, um, and so follow us on, U- on YouTube there at District on Deck. 
and everything is District on Deck. And so yeah, on Twitter it's District on Deck, and you can follow me at Ron Juckett, J-U-C-K-E-T-T. All right, man. Well, hey, look at good luck in the postseason starts Thanks. in just a, and uh, I'm going to Dodger Stadium tonight, and uh, I'm I'm going to be doing what I do every game during the national anthem, and that is fumble around with my food while asking an usher where I'm supposed to be sitting. So that's the way I honor America is by, oh, jeez, I just dropped that. What, what, what row am I in? Uh, to show that I love America, uh, I bark at an usher and say, come on, someone's sitting in my seat. God's sakes. Ah, I think I just dropped a peanut. Yeah, you, told, um, you told me that whereabouts where you live, and I'm insanely jealous of your view because one of the highlights of my year is New Year's night, watching mm-hmm. the sunset over those mountains, watching the Rose Bowl. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to the Rose Parade this year. Uh, my family, we're going to be watching those floats go by. Normally, we get the hell out of Pasadena. I bet you uh, <laughs> But uh, we're, we're all going this year. We're all, gonna, we're all parading it this year. And there you go. Okay. Yeah, congratulations. I'm going to sit and watch a parade. That's a, a moment to congratulate me on. Um, hey, uh, so you know what to do to follow Ron Jucky. You know what to follow me. You go to SullyBaseball.com. You like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. If you want to be old school, you send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music, as always, is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking Nationals with Ron Jucket. You got it. This has been the Sully Baseball Podcast for the 26th day of September 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Hey, Ron Juckett, what can people call me? Sully! Goddamn right. <laughs>